All right, folks. We got a really good sports weekend ahead. A great sports weekend ahead. College basketball slates loaded. You got the NFL playoffs, of course, in full bloom. But also want to let you know. The State of Combat pod, which is on our CBS Sports Podcast Network, has incredible stuff already in the feed and coming throughout the weekend. Remember, UFC 246 is this weekend. That's Conor McGregor making his return to the octagon after 15 months away. But host Brian Campbell has interviews with Sugar Rashad Evans, a UFC Hall of Famer. Just landed a Jorge Masvidal interview. So, if you're the crossover kind of sports fan, loves to call it shoots, but also gets into the UFC stuff, obviously Saturday is a huge day. Be sure to check out the State of Combat pod with Brian Campbell. They are loaded up with some tremendous episodes. And now, let's talk some hoops. Hey there, it's... Gary Parish, it's Friday, January 17, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and if there's a god in this world, Matt Norlander's British accent is not here with me. Deadleg, please tell me you have retired the accent. The Twitter, the Twitter reaction, it was not kind. Probably cost us, probably cost us a five-star review, if I'm being honest. I don't know if it did or not. I've got a story related to the British accent, but we'll wait and see if we if we got enough time at the end of this podcast. We might not. We're working with the tight window. If not, I might save it for the Sunday one. It's it's ridiculous. I could live with this privately for the rest of my life. I'm going to share it with I think literally tens of thousands of listeners. But we'll see if we have enough time here. Uh, until then, I will not be implementing the British accent. All right, so we'll get right into basketball then. The biggest thing that's happened since we last recorded is that South Carolina won the annual Devin Downey game just 11 days shy of the 10-year anniversary of the actual Devin Downey game. Final score, South Carolina 81, Kentucky 78. Jermaine Kuznar banked in a three at the buzzer for the win, finished with 26 points. Now, uh, that's not quite like Devin Downey, getting 30 points, five rebounds, three assists, and two steals in a 68-62 upset of the undefeated and top-ranked mm. John Wall-led Wildcats back on January 26, 2010. <laughs> but it's still nice. Uh, obviously, I don't root against Kentucky. Uh, that would be dumb because you'll be disappointed a lot if you root against Kentucky because Kentucky is almost always awesome. But I will tell you the truth. I enjoy tweeting pictures of Devin Downey, and anytime South Carolina beats Kentucky and Columbia, I have my file photos locked and loaded. Okay. Yeah, listen, hell of a win. South Carolina's a bizarre team, by the way. It's got that home win over Kentucky. It's nice. It's uh, it's 9-7 and seven overall, but it's also one at Virginia, which, you know, isn't Virginia of old. But still, um, I don't know what the hell's going on with Frank Martin's team. But congrats. There is a certain juju. There's a certain something there in Columbia when the Wildcats come to town and, yeah, that, that Jermaine Kuznard with the bank of all banks to win it, kind of a frenzied, frenzied finish there. Um, and in doing so, you know, just, you know, it, 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 it knocks Kentucky down a peg even further. Um, booted them out of the power rankings this week. Now at 12-4 and four, and with a weird resume because I still think the team is good. I still think Kentucky I, – I still believe Kentucky is good enough to win the national championship. But Evansville, Utah, South Carolina, three teams outside the top 100 at Ken Palm. Uh, one at home, one on neutral, and now one with a road loss there. So um, the most high-profile of the losses, and credit to ESPN uh, for this stat. Kentucky itself not – 
not a top five team. Uh, but we have had 12 instances this season in which a top five team has lost to an unranked team. Okay, Last season total, there were six times when that happened. So you know, Wednesday night brought about the Kentucky losing to South Carolina. That was the most dramatic of them all. I get that, but you also had Auburn obviously losing on the road. Also, uh, in the SEC, taking a loss to Alabama, it's no longer perfect. And you had Butler, highly ranked, dropping a game at home against Seton Hall, bringing more intrigue there to the Big East as well. So we have, uh, and then Oregon, by the way, loses on, on Thursday night. Um, at Washington State. So Kentucky's the biggest headline because it's Kentucky and because of the way South Carolina won. And frankly, it's this podcast. Shouts to Devin Downey, okay? Shouts to who was the who was the coach? Who was the coach when that happened? Darren Horn. Darren Horn. There we go. I knew it, but I was just it was just it was dangling in the back of my mind. Shouts to Darren Horn, okay? So of course, of course, of course we're gonna lead the podcast with the Gamecocks getting it done uh, over the Wildcats. Uh, the other thing I love is that when it happens, people start tweeting us about oh, yeah. it. Like, like you bet, like Justin Devin Downey, South Carolina's up with four minutes to play. And then somebody sent me um, his Wikipedia page. And I, I have seen this before, but I guess I had forgotten it, which means I was probably drinking last time I saw it. I don't remember things sometimes. Um, but, but like we're on Devin Downey's Wikipedia page, which is one of my proudest achievements. Not only that. But I do remember this because we were first on it like three, four years ago. And then I went to check it again, maybe to send it to you or send it to someone. And it was not there anymore. We were not on it. So someone someone was monitoring Devin Downey's Wikipedia page, put us in. Then someone else was like, ah, we ain't having any of this. This is getting out of there. And then so thank you to uh, the people or person that have maintained uh, for the record and hopefully in perpetuity uh, you know, we are now part of the Downey legacy. I think that's undeniable. So. I mean, listen, Devin Downey is the—he's a legend. He's a legend, a lot like Terry Teagle. But um, we are a part of the Devin Downey story, yes. and, and and I'm very—I'm proud of that. So, shouts to Devin Downey, and of course, shouts to Chester, South Carolina. I got—I—I—I—I uh, I, I didn't demand anything, but I was in studio Wednesday night. I asked, "Can I please do the Kentucky South Carolina highlight every time?" And I think at halftime of our late game, then in our eleven o'clock show, our eleven thirty show, and then our midnight show, I got to do that highlight maybe four different times, and I shouted out Devin Downey in Chester, South Carolina four different times and I'm not sure I also don't care but I'm not sure everybody understands exactly what I'm doing just screaming about Chester South Carolina like I'm not sure every producer and director knows what I'm doing whatever I'm not sure everybody listens to this podcast but I also don't care shouts to Devin Downey shouts to Chester South Carolina let's talk about Kentucky though because you mentioned uh, the three sub 100 Ken Palm losses so just like you had to do your power rankings I had to wake up Thursday morning and update the top 25 and one. And I'm like, all right, what do I, what do, I do with these idiots? Because they're, they're, they're all over the place. They got wins over Michigan State and Louisville. But now, uh, in addition to the neutral court loss to Ohio State, who beat Kentucky and then just immediately went on a four-game losing streak, they've got losses to South Carolina, Utah, Evansville. All of them are sub-100 Kempom teams. So I started looking through it. Like, who else has these bad losses? And I think we had talked about it maybe on the previous podcast. Um, and, and Duke was one of them. Duke yeah. has a sub-100 Kempom loss. But as of yesterday morning, there were only two teams in the AP poll that had a sub-100 Kempom loss. 
Duke and Kentucky, the two biggest brands, arguably. Duke has one, the Stephen F. Austin loss, and Kentucky has three. Mm-hmm. So 23 of the 25 teams in the AP poll right now haven't lost to a sub-100 Kimpom team at all, not once, as of yesterday morning. Duke and Kentucky were the only two, and Kentucky's done it three times. Now, as you mentioned, Oregon joined the club Thursday night by going to Washington State and losing. So this is the updated fact. Three teams, only three, in the top in the current AP poll have lost to a sub-100 Kimpom team. Duke, Kentucky, and Oregon. Duke's done it once. Oregon's done it once. Kentucky has done it three times. It's why I dropped Kentucky. I think they're down to 23rd in the top 25 and one. They've still got top 25 computer numbers, but uh, there is nobody else in my rankings or in the AP poll that's got losses the way Kentucky's got these losses. Trivia time. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go right now. So uh, as we sit here on Friday, Kentucky's loss against Evansville registers as a quad four defeat. Okay. That's, that's embarrassing. It is, and uh, Kentucky Humiliating. is. I know Kentucky is 38th in the net. There is only one other team in the top 60 of the net that has a quad one loss. No cheating, no looking. Who's the other team in the top 60 of the net with a quad one loss right now? Or quad, sorry, oh, not, quad, oh. not quad one. Quad, yeah. quad. Oh, I love a botch, a good botch trivia time. Quad four loss. Quad four loss. You know what? I'm gonna take a guess. And I think I might know only because I literally just got through writing about it 20 minutes ago. And it is? Is it St. Mary's? It is St. Mary's. St. Mary's is 1-1 one one in quad one, 3 and 3-1 in quad two, 4 and 4-1 in quad three, and 6-1 and one against quad four. They are developing quite the bizarre um, quite the bizarre resume on the whole uh, as St. Mary's. And as, as the WCC season moves along... Uh, we'll learn more about it. The The quad four loss is the home defeat against Winthrop, which was the second game of the season. St. Mary's is also 2-2 two and two in the West Coast Conference. Um, it's coming off a home loss to Santa Clara, which got steamrolled by Gonzaga on Thursday night, and they also fell in four overtimes at Pacific. So while St. Mary's scheduled up a little bit better this season, they're, they're running out of slack uh, in a hurry. Otherwise, after you get beyond St. Mary's, I think the only other team in the top 70 of the net – um, or maybe in 75 in the net that has a quad four loss. Uh, I know DePaul has one, and that might be it in terms of top 70. So anyway, there you go. And the reason I was writing about St. Mary's, I guess I wasn't actually writing about St. Mary's. I was writing about Gonzaga, uh, steamrolling, as you put it, uh, Santa Clara, because Santa Clara you know, entered the game you know, with 15 wins. They're outside of the top 100 at Ken Palm because they've played almost nobody. But they did just beat St. Mary's, and the point I was making with uh, you know riding the lead to the top 25 and one is like Gonzaga just beat a team that just beat St. Mary's by 50 freaking points, and they were up 36 at the half. And I tweeted that last night because like I really did just go to bed at halftime. I was like Gonzaga is up 36 points at the half on a 15 and three team that just beat St. Mary's. Good night. And when I woke up this morning, because I I immediately closed my eyes and went to sleep. And when I woke up this morning, I had all these replies like, uh, but St. Mary's is 129th at Ken Palm. And was, was, I mean, uh, or Santa Clara, rather. Right. Santa Clara is outside of the top 100 at Ken Palm. And Santa Clara has this strength of schedule. And Santa Clara stinks. And I'm like, being up 36 points at half against any Division One team is impressive. Like, we, you're a 20-point favorite, so you're supposed to win the game. They were up 36 points at their half. 
Don't be dismissive of that, you you Gonzaga haters. <laughs> I know. And Gonzaga even lost Anton Watson, a really solid defender. It was announced before that game uh, tip last night that he's going to have to have surgery. He's done for the season. With the win, Gonzaga now has a – first of all, they lead the country in, in points per game. They're at 88.7. They're number one in scoring margin, defeating teams by uh, an average of 22 points per game. Gonzaga, in seven of the past nine seasons, has finished top three in scoring margin, and uh, I think in four of those seasons has been number one. Or This will be the fourth time if they do it this season. They've got um, a two-and-a-half-point lead right now on Duke, which is number two in scoring margin. San Diego State is number three, and Dayton number four. Uh, but, but props to the you know, Zags for just, you know, killing them again. Palm has a new... If you're curious about where the landscape might be right now in college basketball, how the bracket looks, uh, go to cbsports.com or the CBS Sports app. Palm has a new bracketology that just posted on Friday morning. Obviously, Gonzaga is a one seed. He's got Baylor as a number one overall seed, and then Duke has dropped off the one line. Kansas rightfully is bumped right up there as well, so you can give that a look. But yeah, they, they, they took care of him with ease, and now... Um, this is not on my game to pick, and I don't think it's going to be on your game to pick, so I'll just mention it real quick since we're on the Zags. Uh, Zags do have a relatively intriguing home game on Saturday against a good BYU team. BYU is intriguing because of this. BYU has four losses, five losses. Three of them have come in overtime, and the other two losses are to two of the six or seven best teams in the college basketball, San Diego State and Kansas. So just keep an eye on that game on Saturday. BYU is a good offensive team. Maybe they can sneak up on Gonzaga and make it close. It's kind of a sneaky good under the radar game on Saturday night. So Gonzaga now, before we get back to Kentucky real quick, on an 11-game winning streak, 5-0 and on the West Coast Conference, they've won those five games by an average of 27.4 points. So like I've said previously, um, they can only play other West Coast Conference teams at this point, all you can ask of them is to be impressive and roll over them. And they have, almost without exception, uh, done that. Again, margin of victory in league games, 27.4 points. One last thing on Kentucky, because I think this is interesting. Um, three sub-100 losses on January 17th, 2020. Um, so still, like, you know, just barely, you know, the middle part of the season. Three sub-100 losses. Guess how many they had last season? I'm going to say zero. Guess how many they had the season before? I'm going to say we've done this like a month ago on the podcast, and it's zero. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought we might. Oh, we've done this. We definitely have done this. Okay, but here, here's the thing. They got three right now. They had zero last season, z- zero the season before that, zero the season before that, two in 2016, zero in 2015, one in 2014. So what I'm about to tell you is true. Kentucky has as many losses to sub-100 Kimpom teams this season already as it's had in the previous six seasons combined. So that's something. It's something. We'll see. We've got, uh, we've got a good game this weekend. I would think it's going to be one of our five, so I'll save it. Let me make, let me look and see if it's one of our five. I picked, I picked these last night. I don't remember. It is not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I think I think we're like maybe I don't know however many minutes into this podcast and I've I can't re- I've I can't remember I've said it three different times like I don't remember what I was talking well, about. Well, the, the reason I, I didn't make it, uh, okay, the well, reason I didn't make it one of my games is because I knew we were going to talk about Kentucky at the top. All right, I'm not. Yeah, and I know that it's not going to be my game because I I'm very confident that the game I'm going to pick is not going to be one that you pick. So real quick here, um, Kentucky is at Arkansas. That's a road Tricky. game. Yeah, tr- did you say tricky? They're going to be an underdog. It's going to be. It's more than tricky. It's more than tricky. You think it's a loss? It could. It could. Arkansas is projected to win. Kentucky's going to be a dog in that game. Arkansas is fourteen and two. 
three and one in the SEC, bordering on a top ten defense, the best three point defense. Not only that, Arkansas is the best three point defense in college basketball, and it's only allowing opponents to make four threes on average per game. I'm not going to trivia time you this because you're never going to know the answer to it unless you read uh, you, you read the power rankings. There's only three teams in college basketball that are allowing opponents. Uh, four made threes or fewer per game. Arkansas is at four. Um, Sacramento State is one of them. And I think Old Dominion might be the other. So the point is, Kentucky, not a great three-point shooting team as is, goes into a road environment, and uh, it's going to be aberrationally good from deep to have a chance or you know dominate inside. So that is, to me, that's a, certainly a top-five game of intrigue here because if Arkansas wins, gets to 4-1, maybe can keep pace with LSU in the SEC, and then Kentucky with the loss there, um, I, you know, the the alarm bells will certainly be going off. So, yes, the, the the L for UK was ill-timed in that it's now on the road against an Arkansas team that two months ago wasn't expected to be a 14-2 club. Now it is. Musselman has those guys going. Um, that is definitely one to keep an eye out for. I think it's a 4 o'clock tip on Saturday. So this is suddenly an interesting four-game stretch for the Wildcats. You lose the game at South Carolina. That's not one you're supposed to lose. Now you're an underdog at Arkansas. You get Georgia at home after that, and then you'll be an underdog at Texas Tech. So if the next three games go the way oddsmakers expect it to go, uh, Kentucky is about to go one and three in this four-game stretch, and that would absolutely be the type of thing that would – cause a little bit of panic in Lexington and the surrounding areas. Let's move on. Cole Anthony has confirmed he's going to rejoin his UNC teammates soon. We're going to get to that next, but first, check this out. What's up? This is Barton Simmons. And I'm Bud Elliott. And this is the newly formed Barton and Bud Show. If you're looking for recruiting information, college football information, coaching analysis, how all those things intersect and come together then you're in the right place, and this is the podcast for you. This is your chance to eavesdrop on the conversations we have in the 24-7 sports office every week. Subscribe to the Barton and Bud Show wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, y'all. It's Chip Patterson from CBS Sports. If you're a diehard fan of college football, then you don't need me to remind you that this sport knows no offseason. And let's be honest, if you're a diehard fan of college football, I kind of expect you to already be subscribed to the Cover 3 podcast. But don't worry if you missed out on the lock fights, late night instant reactions, and emergency podcasts in 2019, there's still room for you to join us. Results on the field in the fall are the product of pieces that were set in place in the winter, so don't miss out on the moves, news, and headlines that will determine the 2020 National Championship. Download and subscribe to Cover 3 Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. So, Cole Anthony has jumped on Instagram this week, I believe two different times, to confirm that he is going to rejoin his North Carolina teammates soon. Norlana, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but he is obviously a big name and a significant player in college basketball and as it pertains to the NBA draft. When North Carolina started to you know, go the wrong way in his absence. There were not just fans and media types, but NBA people that I talked to who were skeptical that he would return to a likely NIT team or something worse than that. And yet Cole Anthony, if you take him at his word, is going to rejoin uh, North Carolina again at at his word uh, soon, even though North Carolina is now sitting here 
with a eight and eight record, one and four in the ACC. Are you surprised that he's going to come back and rejoin an eight and eight team rather than just you know step away, risk no further injury in a actual basketball game, and focus on the NBA draft? Not too 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 surprised here because from the start when we started talking about this, I thought that because um, I mean he's he is a big time big time competitor like in, in a an above average, above average kind of competitor. I thought that this could happen. Now we did openly speculate if Carolina was well out of the NCAA tournament picture, could that influence things? Uh, and it seemed possible at that time. But remember, he he's posting this update, and it's about tracking to where he should be returning. Um, he's played nine games this season. All right, and the injury occurred uh, like around December 10th, December 11th, and it was a four to six week. Um, Timeline, well, we're about to hit that six week. What we might actually end up happening here is Zion Williamson is slated to return to the NBA or debut in the NBA next Thursday. And within a week's time of that, you could have the return of Cole Anthony in college. And certainly, uh, even though Carolina stinks, um, because of his talent, his projected standing in the NBA draft, the team he plays for, regardless of all that, uh, and his name, um, you know, a little bit of a jolt in the arm there. And then there'll just be curiosity. Okay, can UNC somehow even try and salvage this season? He's not going to be back before Carolina plays at Pitt on Saturday. And Pitt almost just beat Louisville. So keep an eye there because UNC is in danger of going sub-500, you know, more than two weeks into a season for the first time since 01 and 02. Uh, we talked about previously on a podcast uh, how rare it is for UNC to have Sub-500 seasons overall it's happened less than 10% of the time in program history, and most of those were back in the early part of the 20th century. So um, I'd love to see him return if he's good with it. Uh, he says he's going to. Uh, this kind of thing, if he can remain healthy, probably helps his standing, if nothing else, especially if he remains pretty good. He's not a, he's not highly efficient. He's a volume player, but I'll be certainly intrigued to see it. And, you know, if I'm targeting it, this is my guess, him saying soon, earliest, I'd say next Saturday – home against Miami. If not that, maybe the return uh, game after that at NC State on Monday, January 27th. It's a weird little scheduling thing here. Um, when you look at it and you go, ah, yeah, they, they're at Pitt on Saturday. I was like, didn't they just play Pitt? And they did just like play Pitt um, yeah. uh, last week. Wednesday. It was, yeah, it was last it was week, two, yeah. Yeah, two games ago they played Pitt. Lost at home, 73-65. Then, of course, they lost to Clemson. Um, over the weekend, and now they're at Pitt. Uh, Cole Anthony, whenever he comes back, will make them a better team. Will he make them good enough to matter? I'm not sure. But let's just uh, play pretend for a second. What if he comes back and they run off something like eight and two, nine and one, and 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 they 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 beat Duke and they beat Louisville, um, and and people st- and and. And the committee has to try to figure this out. Okay, with Cole Anthony, they're clearly one of one of the best teams in the country. They didn't have him for a significant amount of time. They took all of these losses. That will become a talking point slash debate within the sport of college basketball. If North Carolina has a record with Cole Anthony that makes them an undeniable NCAA tournament team, um, how does the committee handle that situation, even though the record is the overall record is not going to be great? Uh, they got one. They got to do it. I'm not. I don't think they're going to do it. It'd be totally uh, engrossing if they did. But they are six and three with him, so they have taken losses with him in the lineup there. So 
let's let's see if he returns, if he's good, and if they can actually pull that off. Because uh, then we'd have one of the more compelling stories in college basketball and into mid-February, late February. But uh, we wait and see. But yeah, man, if he if he wants to do it, I know I'm going to watch. I mean, I, I'm not compelled. I'm not going to be particularly uh, locked in on UNC Pitt on Saturday. Um, but if you're telling me he's back for Virginia Tech or Miami or NC State, I can guarantee you I will be watching that game because Cole Anthony will be playing. If and you know when he's able to return, we wait and see on that exact date. I would have understood, uh, just so we're clear, if he decided not to come back because this is way different than the James Wiseman situation. He would have been coming off injury and rejoining a team that almost certainly isn't going to make the NCAA tournament, despite what I just said a moment ago. Uh, th- that's way different than being healthy and quitting a top 10 team midseason that, at least on paper, looked like a real national championship contender. So anybody trying to compare the Cole Anthony situation and the James Wiseman situation just uh, is comparing uh, apples to, to oranges. They're not the same at all. But uh, So I would have understood if, if Cole Anthony decided not to rejoin the team, but I'm glad that he is. Uh, he, he you know College basketball is more fun when you got great players, and he's undeniably a – a great player. And I do think that he can theoretically help himself. You know, people always talk about these guys. And right now it's like Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, LaMelo Ball, Cole Anthony. They say, ah, yeah, lock top five pick. Well, like we've talked about before, big difference between being the first pick and the fifth pick. It's actually 16 million in guaranteed dollars. And so you want to be first, not fifth. And if Cole Anthony comes back and really performs at a high level, and Anthony Edwards cont- continues to show some of the things that he's shown, it's possible that Wiseman could go the wrong way on draft boards simply because uh, he is not putting himself on a stage to perform and impress the way Anthony Edwards is on that stage and the way Cole Anthony says he'll rejoin that stage uh, soon enough. Let's get to the final four and one. Uh, as you know, we pick five games every Friday against the spread. I picked the first four. The Norlander gets the and one. He is killing me on the season oh, total. Yeah. I think if I've updated it correctly, you're 27, 22 and one. And yes. I am 20, 29 and one. That is right on the money here. My question for you is this as we mm-hmm. get rolling with these picks and storylines and all that stuff. Have you made your picks for each of these games? No. Or- so no. you're going to wait to see who I pick and then pick the opposite team? No, I just forgot to do it, honestly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's the first one? Game number one is Saturday, noon Eastern, number 18, Seton Hall at St. John's inside Madison Square Garden. You can watch it on Fox. Ken Palm has Seton Hall projected as a six-point favorite. You said it was inside, right? It's inside, inside MSG. It is inside MSG. What made now, you What made you go with this one? Well, two things. Um, Seton Hall is five and zero in the Big East, not just this season, but for the first time ever. Yes, then, that's correct. Yes, and then and then Golden Gate Mike's involved. Golden Gate Mike. I guess. Why did I he's, ever doubt you with that? He's one and four in the Big East. Um, credit to Seton Hall. A great win at Butler. Earlier this week, how about this with Seton Hall? In three of its four, three of its past four games at Butler, it has trailed uh, in the second half and come back to win. So they've got something good going on there uh, with Hinkle. Shouts to, shouts to, of course, two-year-old Tony Hinkle, as always. Um, Six-point spread here. Noon tip. Hall's looking good. Miles Powell probably has got to be in a top-five discussion for National Player of the Year at this point, maybe even top three. Hall's rolling, man. They are... Uh, they're doing some good, good stuff here. 
I don't know. I got a weird feeling about this one, though, GP. Um, I'm a I'm gonna take Golden Gate, Mike. I'll t- I will take St. John's to. I'm going to take St. John's to cover the six at home. But we'll see. If you told me if you told me Hall won this by twenty, I would not be stunned. But I'll 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 ride maybe regrettably with the Red Storm. I'm going Seton Hall. Like if you can go midweek and win at two year old Tony Hinkle Fieldhouse, I'm not gonna pick against you at Madison Square Garden. As much as I love Golden Gate, Mike. Um, it's one thing when you're playing in San Francisco, another thing to be playing in Midtown Manhattan. He has shown the ability to win big games on the other side of the country, um, not so much recently in the eastern part of the country. Like I said, one in four in the Big East. So Norlander goes Johnny's. I'll go Seton Hall. Game two, hmm? Saturday, 1.30 Eastern, number four Auburn at Florida, inside exec. Tech Arena. Get out of my face. What is what? this? What is this garbage? What did you exact, just call that building? Exact Tech Arena. That's the O-Dome. Damn it. <laughs> it. It is the O-Dome. Damn it. 130 on CBS. Exact Tech Arena? No. That's the O-Dome. You can sell your soul to corporate America, Florida, but that is the Stephen C. O'Connell Center. To me, forever and always. You can watch the game on CBS. That's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Kim Pom has it. Florida minus one. Uh, he actually has it Florida minus two, but who's really counting? Uh, I did all this last night. It's now Florida minus two. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to play the two line here. Okay. Um, Gators. Just beat Ole Miss, lost at Missouri. Oh, this is like a game that was just, you know, lost amid the fumes last weekend. Just looked terrible at Missouri. Uh, I don't know what to make of Florida. I'm going to take the Gators here. Auburn 15-1. and one. Um, ha- You know, the Bama loss, with about 10, 12 minutes to go, you knew they weren't going to have a shot. Um, and now they got back-to-back road games here. I'll take Go Gator to cover this too. But... I feel like this will be my least confident pick of the five that we're going to talk about. Yeah, I can't trust Florida. They're 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 not trustworthy. <laughs> okay, so you're gonna you're gonna trust Auburn. I, I'm gonna trust Auburn, but I do think this is interesting. How many times do you think this has happened in college basketball? A team starts fifteen and zero, then loses two straight to unranked teams. I think it's happened seven times. I have no idea. I have I, no idea. <laughs> I just, I just wonder, like that. Yeah, I know a, stuff that we can't. Uh, you can probably, you, can, you well, you can definitely find the answer if you've got way too much free time. But I'm putting the over under at at, uh, at five and a half. How about that? Yeah, I'll I'll look into it. Um, no, you won't. No, I won't look nope, into not, it. I was not about a shot. to say, I'm no high, shot. I'm not, that happens. I'm not, That's not going to look into it. But um, they did start 15 and 0, get blown out at Alabama, and now is an underdog. Uh, at, at Florida, this will be, by the way, and we've talked about this a million different times, a million different ways, just the first game against a top 40 Ken Palm team all season. That's why the 15 and 0 record, um, listen, it, it's 15 and 0 is 15 and 0, but there wasn't a whole lot of substance there. Um, they had not beaten a ranked team, had not even played a ranked team. And that actually won't happen until they host Kentucky on February 1st. If Kentucky's ranked. Kentucky- that's if Kentucky's ranked. I mean, who knows? Yes. They could they could go, and then Arkansas may or may not be ranked on February 4th. It is not inconceivable that Auburn could go this entire season without playing a single-ranked opponent. I'm now rooting for this. I just it would be so bizarre. Um, 
and when it came to seeding them, I think it would make for an interesting conversation. Maybe they're going to, but yeah, it's 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 not in inconceivable. All right, uh, game three. What do you got? Game three, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Purdue at number 17, Maryland, inside the Xfinity Center. You can watch it on ESPN2. Maryland minus four is what Kim Palm projects. Hmm. All right, minus four. Purdue, one of the truly vexing teams in a very vexing season in college basketball, um, has not played since it demolished Michigan State 71-42 last Sunday and now gets a road test. Purdue's 10-7, ranked 17th at Ken Palm. Uh, Purdue is, I'm curious where it is in the net, 31 in the net. Wow, it's 2-5 in quad one games right now so far this season. That's amazing. Um, And it's 1-4 on the road. Give me the Terps. Give me the Terps. Give me the Terps comfortably. I will take Maryland to win by double digits. I'm going to take Maryland as well, um, if only because uh, uh, my Maryland friends, including uh, one of our editors, Adi Joseph, like they, Maryland. I, I think this is true. I think Maryland fans hate their own team more than any other fan base hates their own team. There's some good competition for that, but in this particular season, I find that to be evidence. I find that to be true um, and hilarious. By the way, <laughs> it's weird. Like, you're not like if you have Turgeon's not getting fired this season. So, it, like, it, when fan bases find themselves in this kind of spot, they will root against their own program because they want the reboot. But that's not going to happen. So I don't quite get. I, I don't. I don't quite get it. But uh, but Terp fans, you do crack me up. Um, I still think you got a team capable of making the Final Four. Uh, but a win like like you need a win like this. Like if you don't win this game. Man, it's gonna be the Big Ten's gonna be super weird if Maryland does not win this game. You could probably fairly say like the only national title contender in the group is Michigan State, and yet the Big Ten's gonna put more teams in the tournament than anyone easily. Um, so, Turtles, go out there, get it done. GP and I both got you to cover the four. Uh, I'm not gonna tell Maryland fans how to feel, but they have a team that's in the top 15 at Ken Palm right now. The four losses are all quadrant one losses. I think they're all to top 40 teams. So there's like nothing in bar- in a year where, you know, Blue Bloods are losing to Stephen F. Austin and Evansville. Like you've done nothing like that. You're about to go to the NCAA tournament for the fifth time in six years. And they just absolutely hate their team. <laughs> it's so funny to me. Like it's not – it might not be what you want. And I understand the big argument. Like only one Sweet 16 um, ha- hasn't, you know – really been a final fourth like i get the argument of hey we're consistently winning but it's not we want more like i understand that but things aren't that bad like if you get into my twitter mentions on any given day you got duke fans talking wild about kentucky and kentucky fans talking wild about duke and and you know uh, san diego state fans talking wild about me and and just all these and it's maryland fans hating themselves and hating their own team. It's it's not it's not any other fan base crapping on Maryland. It's always Maryland's fans crapping on Maryland. Ensconced in self-loathing. We see you, Terp fans. Hang in there. I still you, you got a team that's capable of making a big run here in spite of your worst hopes. All right, what's I think I know your fourth game, right? Game four. Yeah. Saturday. Big one. Six PM yep. Eastern. Number eleven, Louisville at number three, Duke inside. Cameron indoor stadium you can watch it on espn kim Pom has it duke minus eight 
Yeah, I'm going to take Duke here. Um, it's a big number. I kind of think that when this line comes out, I'm going to say it's going to be six and a half. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is this is the major one here. See, Louisville just they eke out an overtime win against Pitt. Duke is like twelve and four after a loss against the spread the past two and a half seasons. It's actually it's been the best team against the spread following a defeat in the ACC in that time span. Um, and given the defeat, how it went down at Clemson. Uh, you feel like the public might just try and nudge up if that number is big enough on Louisville to cover there, but I will I will ride with Duke, still the only team that ranks you know top five in both offensive and defensive efficiency at Ken Palm. Uh, in fact, oh, the only team that ranks I believe top ten in both still. That was the case a day and a half ago. I've not checked that uh, in advance of us doing the pod here on Friday afternoon, but. Yeah, I see a strong, strong bounce-back game here. I'd love a close one, though, um, for the ACC sake, if nothing else. And Louisville, um, Louisville's done, you know, it's done it pretty well for itself on the whole to this point here. I know it could have lost against Pitt, but it didn't. Um, so I uh, I hope that the Cards get a really good game out of it. Keep an eye on Jordan Wara, who's been just a little bit bumpy against, you know, high-quality competition this season. They will clearly and undoubtedly need him and others, but him and Enoch to have to have a big game in order to steal this one. I'll take Louisville and the points. Eight points is too many for a, a team of... I mean, Louisville's, a, I think, a legitimate top-ten team. Um, even though they're 11th in the AP poll, I, I think you could reasonably argue... Let's see where I have them in the top 25 and one. I have them ninth in this morning's That's top fair. 25 and one. So... Um, that's a legitimate top 10 team in, in my eyes. And if I can get a top 10 team against a, a Duke team that, you know, has taken a loss inside Cameron this season to a team much worse uh, than Louisville, I'll just I'll just take the eight points and see what happens. All Your right. All right. So before I get to my game, just I'll lay out the, when we talk on Sunday night, um, we're going to have to pick pick our spots here because it's going to be a, it will be another noisy weekend. We've had a noisy week and it's going to be a noisy weekend because 14 of the 25 teams ranked in the AP poll are facing road games. So inevitably, we're going to have more ranked teams taking losses. It is unavoidable. Um, and the only, GP, I think the only game between ranked teams this weekend, I think, is Louisville-Duke. I don't know if there's another one between two ranked teams. Um, games to keep an eye on. Uh, Friday night's actually got a halfway decent pair. Michigan is at Iowa. Michigan you know, if it loses, it's going to be two and four in the Big Ten. We'll see. Iowa's been good. I'm just, I've got, I've got an intrigue with that one. And then Michigan State hosts Wisconsin. Again, like we talked about Maryland losing and Michigan State loses. Eh. Elsewhere in the Big Ten, it's not going to be my game. But if, GP, if Rutgers beats Minnesota on Sunday, it's the only like halfway interesting game. Rutgers is going to be 14 4. We've talked about it a little bit, but um, I know there are Rutgers fans who listen to this podcast. We see you, we hear you. We might have to give a little more love because they're going to be 5 and 2 in that point. We'll see where they shake out and where they stand in the Big Ten if they can pull off that win on Sunday. Elsewhere on Saturday, um, you've got Ohio State at Penn State. That's a noon tip. Penn State just took a, a tough loss. Ohio State's reeling. You know, A lot of urgency with a lot of these games here. Oregon just loses to Washington State. Doesn't look good doing it. Now it's got to play Washington. That's a 345 tip on CBS. UW is 2-3 and three in the league. Doesn't have quad green due to academic ineligibility. So now there's a lot, you know... With Oregon, you're going to try and keep pace as the best team in the league. And with Washington, you're just trying to maintain having uh, an NCAA tournament resume. Um, so keep an eye on that. The American has a really good game. 
I, I was wondering which four you were going to pick, GP, because it's, it's actually, this is by far the best weekend of college basketball so far this season. Houston at Wichita State is a 4 o'clock tip. I almost went with this one, but didn't. But both those teams are trying to be right there with Memphis as the best team in the league. Memphis got a good, needed home win over Cincinnati on Thursday night. Is Stanford for real? It plays at USC. Kansas at Texas. It's not my official pick, but I actually think Texas will cover in that game. I mentioned to you BYU at Gonzaga. Can Baylor of Dodge the curse here? It's on the road against probably the worst team in the Big 12, Oklahoma State. Keep an eye on that as well. But my game for you is going to be Colorado at Arizona. Colorado won at ASU on Thursday night, 68-61. Look good doing it. Uh, I've been big on the buffs all season long, and I do think this is like, if you want a true right now in the moment here, Final Four sleeper team, sleeper, sleeper team, it's Colorado. Now, that might not be the case when we get to the first week of March if Colorado is ahead in the pack, winning the Pac-12 or, or any of that, but right now, I like that. Now, Arizona also has a good shot, and it was able to easily Easily beat Utah, which is good, which sets up to me one of the most intriguing games of the weekend. Ken Palm has this. Arizona's at home with a five-point spread to beat the Buffaloes. Buffs, Wildcats, who you got in this one? I'll go Colorado plus five. And the reason okay. is based on nothing more than this. Right now, Colorado's in the top 25 and one. Arizona is not. So a Colorado <laughs> win means for less disruption to my Sunday morning. And that's what I'm rooting for. Very little disruption to my Sunday morning. All right. So just again, this is how you this is how you wind up twenty twenty nine and one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're not sensing the greater pattern of how often you've had to adjust this top twenty five and one. That's how the season's gone. So you keep rooting for yourself and then just playing yourself in the process there. I am going to take Arizona to cover here, but this has a good potential to be a tight game throughout. It's a two thirty tip Eastern, by the way, uh, on Fox. So I suppose that means fall back. Is that a three-hour difference? That's an 11.30 a.m. tip for Zona? That's actually relatively surprising there. Saturday is so stacked, by the way, because you have the NFL championship games on Sunday. So um, if you've been waiting for one of those just jam-packed days, Saturday's going to give it to you. There'll wind up being even a couple other games we didn't mention that could uh, well provide some headlines there. But so just a recap here. Where do we have disagreement? We have disagreement on, wow, um, all but one, right? We both have Maryland, but I took Zona, you took Colorado. I took Duke, you took Louisville. I took Florida, you took Auburn. I took Golden Gate Mike, and you took the Hall. That is correct. Let me walk you through the CBS and CBS Sports Network schedule uh, on Saturday before we get out of here. One thirty Eastern on CBS, number four, Auburn at Florida. Then at 345 Eastern on CBS, number eight, Oregon at Washington. Two o'clock Eastern on CBS Sports Network, St. Bonaventure at VCU. Four o'clock Eastern, St. Mary's at Pepperdine. Six o'clock Eastern, New Mexico at UNLV. And then eight o'clock Eastern, it is Nevada at number seven, San Diego State. The Aztecs, awesome and the only undefeated team left in college basketball. Do you have time? I don't. To tell Jack Sant story. I do not. I'm going to I'm going to save it for Sunday. It's an idiotic story, but um, me being an idiot, what else is new? I will save it cuz we are bumping up against it and I got to go pick up my 4-year-old uh, from pre-K here. So I'm going to I'm going to save it. Sunday we shouldn't have anything uh, get in the way of that and I'll I'll get to it there, but it's and I'm, it's not that good. It's just completely stupid. I just, 
it involves me speaking in a British accent and thinking no one else could hear me. Uh, when that might not have been the case, and we'll get to that on the next episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, congratulations to any uh, people who do a podcast who don't have children. I imagine it's so much easier. <laughs> like, we couldn't do it early today because I had to be at my oldest son's school, and then uh, we you know, couldn't do it uh, later today because Norlander's got to go pick his son up from school, so we have this tight little window. But, um, hey, it's, it's the live uh, that we've created for ourselves for better or worse. Sometimes I think for better, better. for better, to be clear, some, for better. Some, sometimes, sometimes it's un- literally okay. hear my one-year-old crying right now. So yeah. Let's shouts see. to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, <laughs> South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle, the legend. Shouts to Lauren Hill. Please go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rate it favorably. Five stars. A nice comment. And we're going to talk to you again when on Sunday, whenever our kids allow. Until then, take care. There are no sports going on right now, none. I never imagined times like this happening, but here we are. And because we're all in this together, nothing personal with David Sampson carries on. We will carry on every Monday through Friday. We will keep breaking down this widespread and lasting impact of the coronavirus and provide updates and insight on these unprecedented events. I mean, in my 18 years as president of a major league baseball team, I saw some crazy stuff but nothing quite like COVID-19. It's brought the live sports world to its knees. And I promise to decode the BS in sports, and that's never been more true than right now. You need to know what's happening. Download and subscribe to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else podcasts are found. And remember, it's just business. It's nothing personal.